Welcome to The Square, your podcast from the Iowa League of Cities, bringing you current and important topics from around the state to your town square with our hosts, Mickey Shields, the Director of Membership Services, and Katie Wheeler, the League's Business Relations Coordinator. Our hosts bring you topics that matter to your town square. Welcome back to The Square, Katie. Woohoo, welcome back. How are we doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Very good. How's the new year treating you? So far, so good. No, I have no no complaints. I'm That's ready good. for uh, spring, though. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, we're recording this in later January, and uh, it is definitely an Iowa winter. <laughs> and mm-hmm. It's been cold. It's been snowy. We uh, took the kids out sledding, was it last weekend, I think, and, um, you know, that we're good now. <laughs> Got our one yep. sledding day, I think, ready for spring. I agree, 100%. No kidding. So what's going on at the league these days? A lot, Mr. No Shields. Kidding. A yeah. lot. Um, we just wrapped up MLA Part 1 and part MLA two. Part 2. Yes, yeah. also just went out. And our listeners can still access both of those if you are interested or if you missed them. And MLA Part 3 is coming out in April. And that will be in-person and virtual. That's right. Yep. So the, Do you that, go to that one? Yes, I believe so. Where nice. I'm going to try to cover the state with our uh, team that's going to be doing part three. And that'll feature uh, training on community development and community betterment, along with strategic planning and goal setting and economic development. So some key topics for our uh, attendees. And as always, Municipal Leadership Academy is primarily designed for newly elected officials, but everyone is welcome. And we always have some veteran uh, elected officials and staff attend those workshops. So they're absolutely great resources uh, for everyone out there. So check it out on our website, iwillleague.org for more information. That's right. We're also... The best part of MLA is Mickey will be there. <laughs> I don't, hey, no guarantees, uh-huh. but we're going to try. And it's definitely not the best part. You should part, ask for but... your money back if he's not there. <laughs> oh, no. Please don't even start. <laughs> We're uh, also getting ready for a bunch of other events coming up in the early part of 2022. We have uh, our Nuisance Abatement Conference, which is in May. We have a golf outing, which is a great fundraiser for the Tim Shields Endowment. That'll be done in June. And the Small City Workshops are also done in June. So keep your eyes peeled. This is where we always plug League Weekly, as that's where we disseminate a lot of the information about league training events and other uh, uh, workshops and, and things that are of interest to our city officials across the state. So stay tuned with that. June sounds good right now. Yeah, it sure does. Looking a golf, a golf, golf outing tournament. sounds amazing. Yeah. Yes. No kidding. Well, another thing that's going on here coming up is the If I Were Mayor essay contest where we have seventh graders from around the, the state submit essays on what they would do if they were mayor. It's a, always a, uh, a very fun contest and that'll be uh the the winners will be announced uh, later this year um, and we'll be looking forward to seeing those essays as usual and uh in the springtime too we accept award uh, nominations for our all-star community awards which are presented at our annual conference so if uh, any of our listeners are have some done some great work in their cities which i'm sure you have please submit an award a nomination for that award and we'll give it consideration the last thing, too, we'd, we'd be remiss if we did not share uh, a little 
urging of our membership, if you have not completed your directory update, that is very important for our, our uh, here at the league so we can have the most up-to-date information for your city clerks and your elected officials out there along with other key staff um, that goes into our directory. Right, Katie? That's right. <laughs> so we're down to, I'm not how many cities it. are left, but we do have some outstanding ones. You know who you are. Please mm. get your information to us as soon as you can. Perfect. Yeah. So this January. While you were talking, I have to just say something. Oh, While you were talking, I kept thinking, I would really like to read your, if I were a mayor, um, essay. You should Who, write me? One. I want to hear should, yours. You should write one. <laughs> I mean. I would enjoy it. You should do that. Yeah, right, right. So (laughs) many wonderful ideas. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know what I would do if I was the mayor. If I was the mayor, I think the number one thing, man, that's a tough one. More, more. Well, uh, usually the seventh graders ones are like, you know, they'd put in a mall and. (laughs) That would be. And like, you know, a rec center. Yeah. Like there'd be a swimming pool on every block. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, town festivals every other day, which I'm fully supportive of. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. You know, who needs to work? I like it. Let's just have some parties. Oh, I agree. <laughs> it's overrated. Yeah, no kidding. So, hey, it's January. There's a lot going on. And we figured with uh, it being the beginning part of the year, guess what starts up? The legislative session does every January. And so we wanted to bring in Robert Palmer and Daniel Stoller, our amazing government affairs team that leads our efforts at the Capitol to represent cities and advocate on our members' behalf. Daniel, Robert, welcome to the square. Hey, thanks for having us. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate it. <laughs> oh, oh, there Danny. we go. Here we go. Danny starting because coming in hot all right i can appreciate that this interview just got changed dramatically on the spot thanks to mr stalder um danny danny boy <laughs> never i've never called danny him and robbie <laughs> oh my goodness well this is gonna either gonna be a great interview or it's gonna be cut off real quickly so this is a great start all well right. guys um yeah now that things have begun at the in the capital, there's going to be, I'm sure, a lot of issues uh, that come up that uh, our members will be interested in, and of course, impact cities. Uh, but before we get into some of that, can you tell our listeners what takes place during the off months uh, that are important to kind of help make the session more successful for our, our members and, and the league? Absolutely. Thanks for having us. And, you know, it's always great to be on here to uh, laugh and enjoy the time with you all and also find a new uh, another avenue to get information out to the membership. So we're always looking for for ways to do that. You know, the off months outside of the legislative session, the, oh, I don't know, eight to six months every year uh, where the legislators don't come to Des Moines very often, at least those are called the interim months. And so uh, it's kind of its own special time. You know, we, we end the legislative session uh, anytime between April and, and, well, I've seen it all the way up almost to July. Mm-hmm. And then we start to do a little bit of analyzing what happened, how do we write about this, how do we communicate these changes out to membership uh, as quickly and concisely as, po- as possible. And then, you know, we begin uh, hitting the road, really meeting with members, meeting with legislators, and then we take that secondary step of helping our members meet with legislators. And that involves analyzing what policy issues are, are most important to our members, as well as you know what policy issues legislators want to cover. 
and, and then facilitating those conversations. The, the pace of the legislative session is, is so quick once it gets started that it's during that interim where a, a great deal of the organization and analytical work is done to really prepare for the conversations that will happen during the next legislative session. Absolutely. I think it's really important, as you guys mentioned, um, sort of updating our membership directory. We have a whole lot of newly elected officials coming on board and learning the ropes. And so Robert and I's role in the interim, making sure that we're identifying newly elected, making sure that they're getting involved in the process is more important during election years than it ever is. Because um, in addition to all of the things that they're doing locally, that they want to make sure that their constituents benefit from, um, we want to make sure that there's an additional responsibility there of contacting other legislators and being involved in that legislative process. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's always critical to stay engaged with the league, but uh, I think with our legislative efforts, it's all, it's just uh, paramount that the members are active and we hear from them and, and um, the issues that are they're facing. So with that in mind, uh, some of our members may not know, but we, as a, an association of cities, we set legislative values. And so can you guys give us a quick rundown of what we have in place right now? Well, thanks for uh, bringing those up, Mickey. I mean, it, it's really important. Long-time listeners uh, will remember, I guess specifically those long-term listeners from before when this podcast existed, uh, will remember <laughs> that we used to call these legislative priorities. And we really took a, a step back a few years ago and tried to evaluate what it is we're doing and what is it that, that these messages are supposed to convey. And through that process, we looked back on over a decade worth of legislative priorities and we saw a lot of commonality, right? We saw mm -hmm. consistency over the years. And from that, we really learned something I guess we already knew, but it was reinforced. And that's that the, the priorities of cities don't change year to year, similarly that, that a business may. A city has a lot more consistency over decades, over, over many, many years uh, in what they need. Home rule, for example, local control. That's not something that we just needed last year and we need next year. Cities want the ability to address local conditions, needs, concerns right in their communities through local control year after year. And so we really switched them over to values to reflect that that kind of generational, uh, I don't know how, what word that should be, but uh, going beyond one generation and, and extending multiple legislative sessions. And so um, that's what the values serve today. Absolutely. Our five legislative values are going to be obvious to anyone who operates in local government. They are local control, public safety, infrastructure, financial stability, and economic development. And our goal for setting these and changing them is that whenever someone thinks of the Iowa League of Cities or local government, they think of those five values. So every chance we get to talk about them, uh, we jump at the chance to discuss just how everything we do fits into one of those five groups. I love that. That's great. And that those are very five that are easy to remember, I think. I mean, I think a lot of us can rattle them off, which is what we want, so we can make a better impact around the state. Okay, so I let's say that we have a city who's wanting to get more involved with advocacy and the legislative process. How would you recommend that they do that? Can um, like, can you think of an example of a city that you've heard that's doing that around the state and doing a good job at that? And um, just what would be some practical things that cities can do to be more involved and really yeah. help shape what's going on? 
Absolutely, Katie. I really appreciate you asking that because um, the answer, just like our local control pillar, is it's largely up to the cities of how involved they want to be. I can, you know, light my existing hair on fire and jump around and get people involved. It's really up to the cities uh, to take that next step and decide their involvement. And we do have varying degrees of involvement around the state. Uh, at a very, um, I guess, introductory level, it's simply just getting to know your legislators, understanding the issues that they care about, and developing a rapport that you can call your legislator and share information. You know, the end goal for that kind of relationship building is to be able to be familiar enough that it feels like you're having a conversation with your friend. I always say that if your best friend were to be your legislator, do you think that you would have a better voice to speak from your local government than if it was a complete stranger? And I think it's fairly rhetorical because obviously, yes, you can talk to your best friends better than you can talk to strangers. And so just getting to know your legislator without any policy or agenda in mind is oftentimes the first step. And it takes just getting coffee, grabbing a drink or inviting them around for social events that your city's putting on. Uh, and of course, that's a building block for having more um, more complex relations. Of course, we have cities that um, take the next step. Uh, and I would highlight the cities of Manchester and Independence in the last year. They have been putting on a legislative forum with their four legislators and their city government for the last three years. They do it once a year and they invite legislators to their city hall or to a library or to a fire station. Uh, and we just sit around and talk issues. The legislators share what they're working on. The cities share what they're talking about and how they want those two different governmental bodies to sort of interact. Um, and both of those things happen outside of legislative session, of course. Uh, and the next step is going to be a call to action for every city. And that is to contact your legislator during session. Uh, talk to them about the issues that they're working on and the policy that they're passing and let them know how that policy affects their city and how it's going to affect their constituents. Uh, city officials have uh, a large number of responsibilities this time of year, whether it's onboarding new council members, passing their budgets, or going through the any number of state mandates that are put upon cities. And this is oftentimes a busy time where legislative actions can uh, fall by the wayside. And so I would just say to remember that everything that a legislator does has an impact on your city. Call them during the legislative session and make sure that they know that you are an important constituency uh, that policy should be considered around. Those are the fantastic ways to engage that Daniel's just talked about. And you know, part of that engagement is staying informed. And so we really would pitch again, signing up the league's newsletters, specifically for the legislative process. You're gonna to wanna to stay signed up for legislative link. We put that out each Friday. We try to have it out around noon, but uh, as with everything in the legislative process, sometimes the timing changes just a little bit. But that each week can give you an update on you know, which bills have moved through the process. We try to provide a little bit of narrative on you know, what's occurring in the legislative session. And really, it just gives you some situational awareness on, on what the legislature is working on and focusing on that impacts policy areas that cities are concerned about. Now, you know, Daniel mentioned that every city is a little bit unique and, and may have a little bit different uh, you know, policy and priority area that, that they need to convey. And so I would say one avenue is to reach out to league staff, Daniel, myself, Aaron, or others around here, and, and let them know what those specifically policy areas that are important to your community are. I mean, 
We're constantly throughout the legislative session putting together ad hoc groups of members who are interested in a specific subject matter that's in a specific piece of legislation and then holding that conversation at, at kind of a smaller level to gain a, a deeper understanding of how that impacts cities. So, you know, reach out, let us know what's important to you and, and we'll make sure that, that you're somebody that we address when that conversation comes up. Yeah, I can't uh, stress too much on the importance of engagement from our membership. I know you guys, that's that's really at the, the heart of what we do when it comes to advocacy. And also I, I wanna stress that Daniel did endorse lighting your hair on fire I heard for it our too. members. I uh, <laughs> and I was thinking, boy, I'm Daniel. Bald, so that's a funny, <laughs> funny expression for a number of reasons. That's, uh, man. <laughs> uh, you know, we're just trying to stand out a little bit, so that's good. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but no, for real, it is uh, important for everyone to be engaged. Now, this is the fun portion of the interview here. I know our members and listeners are going to be wanting to hear this part in particular, which is for you guys to get the uh, your magic eight balls out and tell us what you think the city should be uh, looking for during this year's session. Well, I would see, say, you know, again, every community may have different things that are important to them. Uh, because of the makeup of their community, either you know geographically where they're located in the state, what types of businesses and industries are in their community, what their population makeup is. So uh, what is important can really differ between each community. But from an overarching perspective, we certainly want to keep our eyes on tax policy in general. Uh, there could be some really significant changes that don't impact cities, but there could also be impacts, whether you know directly or tangentially on cities, uh, based on any plan that moves forward. So we'll want to be watching those uh, to see how they impact funding that cities are concerned about, how they impact existing taxes uh, that cities may be receiving. And then, you know, another one I'll add is preemption in, in virtually all areas. Now, we see preemption each year, and, and, and it seems like a preemption bill of some type uh, passes, and they're normally aimed at very narrow areas. But we do see some larger preemption bills coming out uh, one example is in the area of housing. And so you'll want to be watching for legislative link and, and see which one of those preemptions uh, and maybe all of them. But, but what really concerns your community? And then this is kind of an important follow up is communicate to us why those aspects of that preemption are problematic to your community. What about the local control on that issue is necessary for, for your community and, and the situations that you're seeing locally? The only thing I would add uh, to that is that I'm very hesitant to make predictions. Uh, the legislature, as anyone knows, is an unpredictable place mm. where bad ideas can move fast and good ideas can take decades to pass. Uh, and so I'm just very hesitant to uh, go on the record to say we think anything will or will not pass. Uh, but the one trend that I've noticed over the last few years that I expect to continue is just that individual liberties will be a continued focus of the legislative process. Um, it was Alexis de Tocqueville that um, famously wrote about how uh, the least intrusive government is the one that is closest to the people where solutions can be tailored fit to an individual group. Um, and I think that uh, we definitely reflect that at the League of Cities having local control. Uh, but the step forward to say that individual liberties shall have nothing above them uh, is certainly taking a foothold the last few years. And I expect that to uh, continue. I want to make sure everybody understands that history lesson. He didn't read that. He just, I mean, that was right off the top. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he, he <laughs> it for a few minutes then. It was impressive. We're, we're it all wise from that. Yeah. 
No kidding. And, and you know, just on a since we're talking about personal notes here, I mean, we're, are we going to get rid of daylight savings, please? Sorry, that's just a little sidebar. I don't <laughs> hear a good argument on either side. That gets proposed oh. every year, and I don't think anyone understands that whatsoever. I'm just speaking as a as a parent. Uh, it is nightmare when we do daylight savings. Just saying. Okay, get back on track. Sorry. <laughs> okay, one more question as we wrap things up. Speaking of our children, I you guys know I have three girls, and it is really hard to get a word in edgewise at our house, <laughs> and so we play this at our house. We I want to, we want to hear your favorite and your least favorite thing about the legislative session. Well, I appreciate that, Catherine. This is a great question. It's Katie. So just so everyone knows, their given names are Michael and Catherine for <laughs> Nikki and Katie. So I uh, just want to throw that out there. Uh, oh, my boy. favorite thing about legislative session is when there are substantive policy discussions uh, between interested parties who generally want the best for all Iowans. Um, the converse of that is sort of the glass half empty perspective. And that is too often when politics or sort of topics du jour rather than long-term issues are sort of the priority. And I want to see more substantive policy discussions rather than political ones. Mm -hmm. Nice. Robert? Robert? Yeah, well, for me, it's, you know, the community up there in, in, at the Capitol and working on a, a wide variety of subject areas are certainly my favorite part about it. It's something that does get talked about, but I think it deserves repeating it. And that's that the majority of things that get worked on in the Capitol are not the controversial things we read about in, in the news. And the people that work up there, while we may be on different sides of issues frequently or every now and then, you know, it is a, a group of people that are all doing their job and working together and being cordial to one another and, and in many times helping each other out. And, and so I really enjoy the community of working in the Capitol. I think uh, my least favorite part would be the hours. You know, the legislative mm -hmm. session is 24-7. So keeping up with the emails, calls and texts uh, and everything else can take quite a bit of time. I, I know Daniel shares this and that my phone can ring at any hour of the night on a policy. It can ring over the weekend. Daniel and I often talk about issues uh, regardless of what time it is. And so the pace of the legislative session is just kind of one that uh, for the time that, that we're in session for those four to six months, it, it really uh, doesn't seem to stop. Yeah. I mean, sometimes some of our listeners know this, I'm sure, but some may not. And that I think it, it you guys know this, obviously, doing the job. It's, it can be chaotic. There are nights. I mean, what's the latest the session is, or a, like, in a, what's the latest the, the legislature has been in session? Um, well, do you mean hours or do you mean hours? Day? Hours of hours of the morning. That, that would <laughs> or be night. that they didn't conclude, Mickey. So I don't know what hour <laughs> you consider working all night. Uh, but they would be. But that would be. Yeah, a, I mean, there's been times it's like two in the morning, right? When they're they're still debating something and they're you know, you have to keep an eye on it. It could be any, any time of day almost. Oh yeah. No, I, I actually have been there overnight where we uh, yeah. finished up at nine or 10 o'clock the next morning. So it's, wow. uh, it, it mm. can certainly be at any time and you really go with the flow of the building. It, we, that's one part about it that should be noted is, you know, we, and, and nobody else except for the elected officials, the statewide elected officials, uh, our, our house members and our senators control the pace. And so mm -hmm. we work the hours that uh, that the building is open and active, and we serve at the pace that is that is given to us. 
Right, right. Well, let me that say is, that's a good uh, least favorite. I would agree. <laughs> yeah, that would be rough. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually another my least favorite. If Hyvie's listening, please do something about the coffee of the cafe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good coffee is key when you're working hours uh-huh. like that. Well, let me say on behalf of your colleagues here at the league, your teammates, as well as the, the wider membership, thank you for everything you guys do. We, we are in good hands. You guys are truly dedicated. You understand the issues. Um, you're in, you're out. Just put forward a great effort. So thank you. And thanks for hopping on the square. Well, thanks, Mickey and Katie, for having us. We enjoyed it. Thank you very much. We now welcome Maria Brownell, attorney with Allers and Cooney, to the square. Maria, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you, Mickey? I'm doing pretty well. It is uh, when the day we're recording here, it's like negative six degrees or something and maybe negative 20 wind chill. So we are definitely recording this in January. Um, I'm sure our listeners can appreciate that. Um, well, let's get started on our little uh, chat with you, Maria. Uh, first of all, to our listeners, so they understand, Allers and Cooney is a partner program with the league and you're a law firm that provides a, just an incredible amount of value uh, to our membership and also to the league. I should, uh, we rely on you guys as much as our members probably do to help us uh, wade through the various legal issues that our cities face. So uh, thanks for, for your partnership and thanks for your support. Uh, but before we get into what you all do at the firm, let's hear about you, Maria. Um, where did you grow up and how did you get into municipal law, which is obviously a very exciting aspect of uh, the legal community, I'm sure. Yeah, thanks, Vicki. Um, I, I grew up kind of all over the South and the Midwest. Um, my dad was a, is a pastor, and so we moved from small town to small town um, in Arkansas, Oklahoma, Kansas, and then um, to Nebraska was the last uh, point of move, uh, and we moved about every two years or so. So mm-hmm. I kind of grew up all over um, in Elkhorn, Nebraska, it, which is, is now Omaha, uh, was where I went to, to high school and where my parents still live. Um, and interestingly, like, kind of my first brush with municipal law was really after I graduated high school, I wasn't overly involved in the process, but my sweet, tiny little town of Elkhorn um, got eaten up by, by Omaha, but, but not without a fight. Um, and so there was quite a, uh, a struggle between the two cities um, in Nebraska, the annexation law is much different than it is in Iowa. You probably know that if, if a town is below 10,000 in population an adjacent city can, can eat them, can annex them. And, um, and so Elkhorn, uh, Sort of, it was this, you, you can look this case up. All the, all the facts and details are actually was quite dramatic. Um, fought the annexation all the way to the Nebraska Supreme Court, um, but Elkhorn uh, attempted to annex some nearby um, sanitary districts in order to increase its population. I think it was we were around seven thousand oh. in population at the time that Omaha was uh, planning its annexation. And, um, and so it was sort of a race. So um, Elkhorn was trying to complete its annexations prior to Omaha completing um, theirs. And Omaha had to annex like some intermediary area that wasn't actually adjacent. Um, so Omaha wasn't actually totally adjacent to Elkhorn yet. So they had to annex some intermediary area first. And so it was just sort of this, this you saw a lot of media buzz about late night meetings, you know, 12 hour 
you know, public notices and everybody racing to get these council meetings scheduled and get these annexations moving. Ultimately, uh, Elkhorn was not successful um, yeah. and, and was annexed, but that was sort of like my first, you know, brush and and uh, with uh, with municipal law. And I, you know, I, like I said, I didn't know a whole lot of uh, details. Like what's really cool about, about Iowa is, you know, the small, small you know, smaller communities here too, even um, it, that's, it's not so easy to right. undertake an annexation. And there's so much amazing identity and community um, that really shines through every single city and town in Iowa. And I know, you know, that too, working with Yeah. The, yeah. Um, so there. true. So um, I, I clerked for the Iowa Supreme Court um, after I graduated law school. And part of that, um, I clerked for the Allers Law Firm in 2008, which was the big flood summer. <laughs> so that was super fun. I had just yeah. moved to Des Moines and um, started clerking for the Allers Law Firm and we got flooded out of our building. So yeah. I started remote work in 2008. <laughs> <laughs> well ahead of the curve. <laughs> we learned quickly how to adapt. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but yes, yeah, so I got to, to, I got the great, great fortune of getting to work with Allers and Cooney early on in law school and developed kind of an early love for um, all things municipal law, home rule authority, um, and just, the you know important day-to-day local you know local solutions to local problems um, and how we could be a, a tool in that so after um, I graduated I worked for the Iowa Supreme Court and found I was still really drawn to those types of cases and the rest is history here I am but what about the firm I know you kind of touched on yeah. some of the things that you all do but uh, some of our listeners may not understand just the the breadth of the services that you guys provide so if you could tell us yes. a little bit about all the things that you guys do Absolutely. Thanks for the opportunity, Mickey. I'm so proud of our firm. We provide comprehensive legal services. We're organized into three practice areas, government law, education law, and private law. So in our government law area, we currently work with municipalities in all 99 counties. And then we also work with K-12 school districts in all counties. Mm -hmm. And so we've been around um, over 130 years. And so, you know, in that time, some of our founding attorneys were involved in really developing municipal law, um, revising oh, yeah. and drafting legislation, developing municipal law through the courts. Um, and we're just so very proud of that. So we've really continued that on as a government practice. Um, for our government clients, we have about 17 attorneys who represent cities in a wide variety of day-to-day matters, um, including general municipal law, board governance, economic development, litigation, labor and employment, employee benefits, procurement and contracting, construction law, real estate, and then land use, zoning, environmental law, all of those uh, categories we touch on daily. And we, we have attorneys that are both, you know, practicing the general um, and in the more specific. Um, for myself, I, I practice both general municipal law, so advising cities in a day-to-day capacity, uh, as well as special counsel for um, municipal litigation, special assessments, and um, construction disputes. So, right. but we also have a team of attorneys that focuses on public finance, as as um, many may well know. Um, we have a, a very large public finance uh, group. We're very proud of, of of the work we get to do to help cities build things and, um, and move forward in all kinds of projects. Um, in 2020, I think we had like a, over a billion dollars in closings for 
for our cities. So oh uh, counties and, and municipal utilities. So yeah, it's, it, it's a very uh, terrific practice practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one of the things that I think the name all our communities is associated with is the economic development, the public finance. But the other thing too, as you kind of alluded to that I hope our listeners understand is when you say a general city attorney is kind of what I like every city has a city attorney and some cities have multiple, especially larger ones. So that's something your firm can do too, is just, I don't want to downplay, but like the routine stuff, the day-to-day things yes. that come up in any community beyond like kind of specialized stuff, I would call it when you get into like TIF or economic development incentives and so on. So the firm can kind of cover any of the cities that have different needs. Correct. And so, yes, we, we do. We, we can, you know, provide those city attorney services or, you know, provide special services or city, you know, city attorney support for um, local city attorneys as well. Right. So we, we are a tool for whatever um, cities may need. Absolutely. That's cool. So there's been a lot going on over the past oh, year or two or so. What are some of the things right now that you're hearing a lot from the city, from your city clients and some of the issues that everyone's facing? Yeah. And as you can kind of, you probably can tell from the vast breadth and uh, of what our practice areas cover, we really hear the gamut, but I guess it's no secret that, you know, continuing economic impact related to the pandemic has really influenced local development and construction projects. Mm-hmm. So we're hearing a lot about construction costs and timing for public improvement project completion. The rising costs are tending to lead to disputes between owners and contractors related to underlying cause of those claims for delays, increased costs for materials and how that should be allocated. So we really try to you know, help cities address those claims early, always with the goal of keeping the project on track, while advising the project team on keeping good records and ensuring the contract is really followed meticulously, um, just to preserve all the you know, city, you know owners' rights and later on in the claims process. So um, we've been hearing some of that. Um, local nonprofits and small businesses are seeing you know shrinkage in resources they need to stay open. So uh, we've certainly seen cities trying to help find local solutions for for those issues, um, federal dollars through the American Rescue Plan um, and, and the Infrastructure and Investment and Jobs Act, too, are either yeah. available or becoming available. So I know the league has been really good about keeping everyone up to date on on those federal dollars. And we've been monitoring those as well. We've been hearing at least um, in the last few months questions about um, how to use the funds that were allocated from the American Rescue Plan, yeah. for example. And they just came out with the final rule, the Treasury's final rule on application of those funds. So that, I think, has lent some additional clarity and simplicity, really, to um, to that. So um, that all those buckets that are available are really important for cities to know about. So uh, that, in addition to the you know historically lower interest rates that have been available in the last few years, I know our cities are really trying to um, work with with legal counsel and financial advisors um, and their city attorneys to find solutions to financing and, and using these federal funding tools. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's been so much interest in that. I'm sure you guys are getting questions galore because I know we are too. <laughs> it's yes. it's that, that final rule that came out, I think did, as you mentioned, uh, give a little more clarity and, and made things a little more simplistic and flexible, which was great to see. 
right. so that was that's a good thing and and as you mentioned as well the next wave of funding that uh, seems to be coming out sometime in 2022 will be, probably lead to more questions but uh, yes. again it's welcome there's a lot of communities that need that support especially as we've been saying for years now since i've been at the league transportation road mm -hmm. infrastructure needs to be addressed so that'll be another wave uh, and i'm sure uh, all of our listeners will be talking to their city attorneys out there as they should to right. get some clarity, some, some clarity on that. Well, yeah, since and sort of some of the issues we hear too has to do have to do with the time of year. Mm -hmm. um, we've helped lots of cities with the reprecincting procedures in the oh, last yeah. few months. Those documents were all due to the Secretary of State on January third. So, if cities haven't turned in those documents yet. Um, they need to start um, considering doing that right away. They're <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, a little behind. But uh, then um, we also are, are asked to present orientation sessions to city councils and boards because we just had an election. And right. so some of those orientations are really great refreshers for our um, incumbent and, and existing and uh, carryover council members and uh, good uh, jumping off points for new members of council. So those have been um, really terrific uh, to be able to, to, to do for our clients as well. My gosh, you guys really do it all. <laughs> That's great to hear. <laughs> so looking forward into this uh, new year, what is one piece of advice you would be, have, you would offer to our listeners and to cities out there across the state? Oh, plan ahead. Yes. Um, <laughs> there are a number of tools available to cities when budgeting this year for capital expenditures, public improvement projects, and the city attorneys are an invaluable resource. So, you know, look to um, those folks um, and, and legal counsel to really help craft excellent construction and design contracts on that front end, really take the time. Um, to put in thought and effort into those construction and design contracts, because that can really help navigate through disputes and claims and increased cost issues later on. And just working closely with bond counsel and financial advisors early on, because things just tend to take longer than expected right now. And construction season will be here before we know it. So <clears throat> more federal dollars, like you said, Mickey, are going to continue to become available too. So if projects or um, plans are meeting certain requirements, um, that, that may be available, but it's going to be a competitive application process. So now is the time to plan. Absolutely. I could not give better advice myself. Um, we stress this to our membership all the time. Plan, plan, plan. And as Maria said, talk to your attorneys well in advance of any big project you may plan or a small project for that matter. Um, and then as well, if you're going, you got new council members that you said, Maria, uh, they may want to come in and change a city code or rewrite some of the uh, internal policies and procedures that a city may have. All Those are all fine ideas, but sit down with your attorney first. Make sure it's legal. Make sure it's proper. Uh, your attorneys are going to help you uh, stay on the on the right path from a legal perspective and also from a best, best practice perspective because you guys work with cities all across the state, right? Yes, we do. And um, we are able to, you know, the pandemic has sort of helped us shape um, and fine tune some of our statewide practice, but really we've had a statewide practice, all, you know, all, all through our, our years. So mm -hmm. we're always available um, by phone or Zoom or in person uh, as well. So absolutely. Uh, and one last thing, get on Allers and Cooney's client alert. Trust me. Yes. Yeah, I, I read that thing religiously because it always has excellent information. I'm not even sure who all puts that stuff together for you guys. Maria, you can probably help out. But we do. We do it as a team. Resource. Yeah. Yes. 
We do. That's great. Well, I appreciate you coming on to Square, lending some time and your expertise to us. Uh, for all our listeners, talk to Maria. She'll help you out. She'll get you connected to the services at the firm. And as always, we appreciate your support to the league. Thank you, Mickey, very much for having me on. Our pleasure. Thank you. Well, that's wrap, wraps up another episode of The Square. Katie, how'd we do? I think it went well. <laughs> well, thanks for putting it together, as always. And thanks to the listeners for following along. And hopefully you enjoyed this one and all the other episodes of The Square. You can stay up to date, as always, with League Weekly, Legislative Link, especially right now with it being a legislative session. Get on that to hear the latest and greatest from the Capitol. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and always send in your questions to the square at iowaleek.org. Boom. Mic drop. Hit it. <laughs> yeah, we can